Hey everybody, this is Jerry Bites. I'm Davis, an educator with over 10 years of experience. And I'm Orion, the founder of Stellar GRE. And we're back to bring you a weekly bite-sized episode on GRE prep and grad school admissions. For more information, check us out always at stellargre.com. Okay, so um, there's a lot of questions people can ask themselves, both going into GRE prep work, both while they're taking the test mm-hmm. um, and in life. So I've heard you talk about like the worst possible question to ask yourself that just doesn't help. So what in the context of a GRE test, you're sitting down taking it, what's the worst question to be asking yourself? Oh yeah, so we're specifically talking about questions that you would ask yourself while the clock is ticking, while you're actively taking the test. Sure. And I almost guarantee that it's a question that the, the listener or the viewer has asked him or herself as well. We, it's, it's human nature to ask this question. Yeah. It's just not very helpful. And that question, the worst question to ask yourself on the GRE is, what should I do? Okay. Help me unpack that because I've definitely asked myself that question. Of course you have. So have In I. fact, I wrote my master's thesis on that question. Oh my goodness. So I want to understand this in the context of the GRE, why it's, why it's to be avoided. Well, when do you ask yourself that question? When everything is going well? No. Of course not. When there's a When there's a momentous decision or moment where you are at a crossroads and you don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. Exactly. You're stuck on a problem. Yeah. And you've tried maybe a couple of different strategies or techniques. They haven't been useful in moving the process forward. You're mm-hmm. stuck. The clock is ticking. Maybe even the yeah. panic is setting in. You ask yourself, what should I do? Right. Well, it gets stuck on repeat sometimes. What should I do? What should I well, do? Well, of course it gets stuck on yeah. repeat because you can't answer that question. If you were in a position to answer that question, you wouldn't be asking. You wouldn't be asking. You'd be right. doing it. That's why you only ask it when things are going poorly, not when things are going well. You don't think to ask yourself, what should I do when you know what to do? Right. So, what do you think the consequence is of asking yourself a question that's impossible for you to answer? Uh, you just you get stressed. Stressed, you might ruminate. Yeah. You probably don't feel more confident. Right. You probably become more self-aware of your uh, struggle, mm-hmm. which is in itself bad. We kind of want to be transparent to self when we're taking the GRE. Mm-hmm. The more self-focused and self-absorbed we are, the less focused we are on the test, and the more likely we're going to get wrapped up in, let's say, emotional eddies, mm-hmm. which aren't helping you get the point on that question. So it definitely is human nature to ask this question, what should I do? It's just not a good question to ask because you can't answer it within your frame of reference. And given the context of the GRE where if you're asking that question, yourself that question, it means that there's some level in which you're not prepared. Well, that's a good point. So um, one of the best ways to prepare for the test and also to lower test anxiety is to over-prepare for the exam, to, to know your formulas and definitions with instantaneous recall Mm -hmm. to be able to implement all of your rehearsed techniques and strategies within 90 seconds or less, basically to be well-trained before Mm -hmm. you're dropped into the war zone, right? Right. That's a, that's a great strategy. Does that mean that you are going to be 100% prepared for anything the test throws at you? Of course not. So even very well-prepared students can be hit with a left field problem that doesn't look like anything they've been prepared for Mm -hmm. or a very, very hard variant of the question that they have. It's subject to happening to anybody, right? So is it, is the problem with that question kind of that, that doubt and that entry into a downward spiral of rumination and, and, and self doubt? Correct. Because it doesn't, it doesn't suggest a course of action. Like 
because you can't answer the question, there's nothing you can do about it. So in, in other words, like you, the question itself is not necessarily inherently wrong in the sense of like, okay, I'm at a crossroads. I don't exactly understand how my preparation for this type of problem should be put into practice. But instead of just being like, ah, what should I do? Kind of in that panic, pre-panic mode, it can be like, all right, which of my strategies can I implement? Is that a better type of question? Well, yeah, we're getting to, I can't just, it'd be irresponsible of me to just say, this is terrible, don't do it. Right. And not offer a better solution. Okay, so what's, yeah, what's the better solution? So a better question to ask yourself in that situation is suspending judgment as to what I should do, because I'm not in a position to judge in that moment, suspending Mm -hmm. judgment. That's right. What's something that I can do Mm -hmm. to focus on what is possible? The fact of the matter is, is that on the GRE, I assume in life as well, many solutions only present themselves in the solving. It's rare Mm -hmm. that you can Mm -hmm. see all the way to the end of a solution on the GRE. Sometimes you can see one or two steps ahead, but then there's kind of a blank. You need more information or something gets unraveled or revealed in those one or two steps. Mm-hmm. And so if you feel the need to have everything planned out in advance before you get started, well, you might not ever leave the house mm-hmm. on some level. So, and this is especially true on the GRE where the questions are designed in such a way that, you know, if you, it's like a, a perfectly knotted string that if you just pull gently on the string, eventually the knot will untie and of itself. So the questions are designed to almost like origami unfold into the solution. Mm-hmm. So what you can do next is almost always what you should do to advance the solution further towards its terminus. Right. So rather getting hit dumbfounded and being stuck in the paralysis of that, what should I do? What should I do? You know, spiral. What can I do? And then engage and stay active so that you're pulling on that string so, right. that, so that if you run into an immediate roadblock, it becomes obvious, oh, this isn't the right strategy. Or it does unfold and the string comes undone. You're like, all right, great, I got it. Exactly. Staying active is the. Staying active is key. I mean, have you played the game Scrabble before? Of course. Everyone's played Scrabble. Great game. So every once in a while, you got the tiles on your rack and you just can't see a word, right? Yeah. Do you just keep staring at the tiles? Shuffle them around. You shuffle them around. You do something with it and you're hoping, you know, you put some prefixes over here, some, some, you know, and clinics over here and you're, you're trying to like stimulate your mind to recognize some pattern in this chaos. But yeah. you, you're, we all know that it's more likely that we're going to see it if we, if we play around. We don't just right. stand, sit there and look and do nothing right. and think that the inspiration is suddenly going to be revealed to us. That, that generally doesn't happen. That's right. We have to help the inspiration. And we do that through action. Mm-hmm. And so the same basic premise holds true on the GRE is that we, we want to to do what we can, and that almost always facilitates the revelation of the, the next step. And this is especially important given the time constraints of the GRE. Sure, you don't have forever. You have to keep your legs moving in the right direction. Right. Right. Um, so that's a better question, suspending judgment, because you don't know. And that's something what that's... What can I do is the better question. Yeah, what can I do? And so what does that look like? It's... It has to do with diagnosis, Mm -hmm. which I talk about a lot in my test prep system. Like, what kind of problem is this? Is it an average problem, a ratio problem, a back-solving problem? 
that content diagnosis should reveal specific strategies or techniques that might be useful for that problem. Mm -hmm. Look at the answer choices. That's where structure diagnosis comes in. Can you plug in? Can you back solve? Can you push the extremes? Those are general flexible strategies that always work for questions with specific answer choices. Mm -hmm. um, what's it? This question is talking about uh, a certain shape or a certain, uh, you, know, you know, concept like probability or permutations. Is there an equation that I know? Mm -hmm. That's associated with this. Plug in what I know, solve for what I don't. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to surrender the need to know why you're, what you're doing is working. Right. So you have to suspend the the desire for immediate confidence or confirmation that or what confirmation you're doing is correct. What you're doing is correct. Yes. Immediately, and just take those first steps into the problem, into the active engagement. I would say immediately and continuously. Because yeah. it's not like after you do this for 20 seconds or 20 minutes, the test gives you that confirmation. You actually never get that confirmation from the test. Right. And this is a big trap for a lot of folks because a lot of what students do that is counterproductive for their performance is actually um, an attempt to take care of their emotions and to feel more confident in what they're doing. Right. Emotional coping strategies. Mm -hmm. These are things like double checking your work, rereading questions. Mm -hmm. These aren't. These, these strategies generally don't increase a student's score, but it can make a student feel better in the moment about mm -hmm. what he or she is doing, yeah. but at the expense of their efficiency uh, and their overall score. Right. So the idea here is to enter into the mystery, my friend. You have no idea if what you're doing is working or not. You, don't, you have no idea whether you get a question right or not. And by the time you figure that out, there's nothing you can do about it anyway. So you have to kind of just enter in and, and on some level accept a baseline level of uncertainty and discomfort that comes with abiding in uncertainty, mm -hmm. but to focus on effectiveness and doing what right. is best to increase your performance and, and move further down the road. And there's some level of confidence, I imagine, that's built in with having taken dozens of practice tests, working with that emotional state of being under a practice test condition where you're timing yourself and then seeing the results later and being like, oh, I actually did. Okay. If you do it that way. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a future episode. If, 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 you, if you do 12 tests and the whole time you're, you're practicing these emotional coping strategies, that in and of itself is not going to help you prepare right. to abide in the uncertainty on the actual exam. Right. Well, we'll have to get into that in a future episode. I imagine we ha we'll have to. Maybe next week. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back next week for another bite-sized episode of Jerry Bites. Again, if you have any topics that you'd like to discuss on future episodes, let us know at StellarGRE at gmail.com. And if you're interested in either GRE prep or grad school consulting, check us out at StellarGRE.com. Talk to you soon.